Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Mixed Reviews. That's right. We're still here. We're still a podcast. <laughs> I have something on my camera. I got it. I am here with my lovely friend Paige. Hi. Talking about another one of our, well, yeah, a favorite of the co-host. Paige, would you like to tell them what we're listening and watching today? We are talking about Black Swan, my favorite movie of all time. No uh, way. I know. Who would have guessed? <laughs> I've seen it upwards of 40 times. I'm not even kidding. Um, I saw this movie when it came out, uh, when I was like 15 or 16. Um, can I tell the story real quick? Of course. Go for it. So when I was 15 or 16, this movie was like coming out and uh, I, it was an R-rated and film. And so was Paige. So was I. <laughs> it was an R-rated <laughs> film. Actually, about that age. Uh, it was an R-rated film and I was not allowed to go to it because I was too young. And Darren Aronofsky, even at that young, ripe age of 15, was already my favorite director. So I begged my poor immigrant father to take me to the theater. I begged him. I lied to him. I told him this would be a fun movie for both of us. I just can't see it because it's rated R. He took (laughs) me to it. This man sat through the beginning part of the film all the way up to Natalie Portman masturbating. And he sat there next to me while Natalie Portman masturbated on her bed. And I'm whispering, please cut, please cut, please cut, please cut. (laughs) This man waited until she finished, got up, and left for the rest of the movie. I did not see this man come back. He did not bother showing his face. I walked out, and he's messing around on his Blackberry at the time. And he goes, did you enjoy the movie? I went, it was amazing. He went, great, don't tell your mother. And then we went (laughs) home, and he refuses to acknowledge that this is a moment we shared together. And now he's my favorite parent. (laughs) Was he not your favorite parent at the time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so would you like to break into what this movie is about? Uh, Natalie Portman is a ballerina that's out of her fucking mind. Yeah, yeah, she's pretty nuts. This yeah. is, uh, you know, your favorite topic that we bring up multiple times in other episodes, which is the obsession of the artist. Exactly. And this movie perfectly portrays, like, how far that obsession can go. And under the best lens for anything dealing with artists, which is melodramatic as all get out. This this movie is crazy. And it's not a shame to be crazy and over the top and dramatic and, like, kind of silly. And I think that's the best way to handle just how over the top artists can be. Is you have to paint everything in that light for people who even aren't are not artists to understand like the intensity of the emotions that artists feel yeah and like what a what a director to have do that because i really don't (laughs) see a director other than darren aronofsky being able to tackle it yeah nearly as well as he did in 2010 uh, because if there's anything he's really good at it's making crazy feel normal (laughs) yes (laughs) and it's it's very very aptly constructing an insane plot (laughs) and making it be like but this is the universe this is just where we are (laughs) <laughs> so strap in <laughs> and it works it works so well he is it we have like a perfect storm here because everything works put together we have darren Oswey, darren aronofsky behind the helm we have natalie portman as a star who is an actress that i go back and forth on i think cast in the right movie not necessarily she could have the right role but if it's not the right movie it doesn't work yeah. cast in the right movie she can be amazing most of the time, she is, she really dials all of her emotions to a thousand and is very unapologetic about it. 
this works because everything is dialed to a thousand in this. So it plays I feel like off. She's either doing that or doing the reverse. Where yeah. She's not dialing it anywhere. When she doesn't care. Like in a what, Friends the, with Benefits prequels, or whatever? The Star Wars prequels. Oh, yeah, the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> we don't talk about those. <laughs> She wasn't in that. She wasn't in that. We we have we have a great cinematographer. Was it Matthew Libatique for this again? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, this was Matthew Libatique. We have. This was, this, I think he came. This was his first movie back with Aronofsky because they fought so much on the fountain. Uh, Matthew Libatique was like, "Screw you! I'm not coming back for the wrestler." And I don't think he did the wrestler, but he did come back for Black Swan after he was like, "Damn." The wrestler was pretty good. <laughs> it's funny that he didn't do the wrestler because the wrestler and Black Swan are shot very similarly very similarly they both have that sort of like up close and personal almost like a documentary feel i was just gonna say i was actually researching um a little bit before this which crazy i didn't know this because i was wondering if um darren aaron oh wow oh the cinematographer for the wrestler was a woman oh that's pretty dope uh, but um, I was wondering if Aronofsky came from a directorial background because a lot of, at least a lot of DPs that are like around his age and a lot of also directors around his age started doing documentaries just because that's one of the easiest environmental things to shoot because you just need to find something that already exists. Yeah. Um, but I didn't see him having any kind of a background in documentary filmmaking, but his style is like so naturalistic a lot of the times, which is crazy because like, the reverse is his style is the polar opposite. <laughs> and it's just like completely abstract. Um, so he hits this like crazy fine point. I would say this is definitely his most balanced film, I think. Like and pacing wise, editing and like the cinematography and like the score, I think this is like his most like well, like, yeah, most balanced. Yeah. But everything else it's like, you know, Requiem kind of spikes a bunch of places. The yeah. Fountain is like a sci-fi melodrama, which is already weird. Yeah. Noah's like an epic. The wrestler is similar to this, but I would still say the wrestler like kind of draws itself out a little bit more because yeah. I feel like it's much more of a, a personable movie than it is like a psychological it, movie. It's a slow burn. Yeah. And then Mother is just, I need to rewatch it before I give ample critiques on that film. I, I like Mother a lot, but yeah, Mother Mother is a very slow burn and then has a nutso spike at the end for, that just yeah. comes out of left field. Um, but yeah, this, this is also, I feel like his most approachable movie. Like I want to show the world digestible. Yeah. Digestible. I want to show the world Aronofsky films, but it's like, where do you start and how do you not scare people away? I show them Black (laughs) Swan. I go, here you go. It's, it's that's a good one. It's got everything. It's got lesbians. It's got drugs. It's got masturbation. It's, are there explosions? No, the, is there there's fire an explosion on the of, of artistic talent. There's <laughs> an explosion of art. I could have sworn there's like fire or something while she's dancing. They've got like pyrotechnics. Um, it's it's the movie I try to get everybody to sit down and watch. And it's also, I think it's his shortest as well. Maybe Pi might be shorter because it was his first go. It doesn't feel shorter. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> I hate Pi. But if you're going is- to start with any Aronofsky movie, just don't fucking start with Pi. Yeah, don't start at the beginning. <laughs> Everybody talks that Pi is so great, and it's not. Literally, it's- the the tagline for Requiem for a Dream is from the director of Pi. Oh, God. That's the whole tagline. That's how they pitched the movie. Oh, it God. infuriates me. <laughs> now it's from the director of Requiem for a Dream. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Or Black Swan. <laughs> or Black Swan, yeah. But um, it's, this movie is, I think, the shortest. It's, it's my favorite time, an hour and 40 minutes. And it's, it's also his filler movie. There are so many shots of this movie that are just filler. Him trying to push that runtime. 
Oh yeah, because don't they they pull like some BTS shots? There's BTS of like now, nah, like when she twists her ankle, like that's yeah. actually her in with, with the, a chiropractor, with the doctor, and she's not in character. She's just Natalie Portman getting like a like a report. Yep. Or like um, her with they, the dancing in. instructor with the woman with the crazy wrinkly I wondered, back. I wondered that because that didn't seem scripted at all. That seemed way too much like an actual conversation between yeah. a choreographer and a dancer. It's so. it because they they need to push the runtime because this story at its bare bones is just it, it's just a crazy girl who finds like a niche for her craziness and it just spirals and it's yeah. like if if you're gonna do a character piece or like a character study keep it short and yeah give me some filler stuff so i can watch her be her in her element and sort yeah. of dissect it and break it all down into what i need i love character pieces but it's so easy to get a character piece to be boring. And the way you not do that is make it this. Make it nuts. Like, I yeah. I know we've talked about how we've never seen Taxi Driver. I have sat down and tried to watch Taxi Driver. I lied to you a little bit. I cannot do it. It's so boring. Really? It's, okay. Because there just nothing happens. I don't feel like I'm in the headspace with the character. Where with this, every single shot feels like you... <clears throat> I'm dying feels like you are Nina Sayers. Like you you're so personal with her and because of all the other characters' reactions and like the score, the lighting, the cinematography, the coloring, how everything almost feels so artificial, you can't help but relate with her because you're so immersed in her world. Yeah, also she's one of the only characters that you are with. Like there are yeah. a handful of other characters that are definitely pivotal because they're literally the only other people in the movie. Yeah. But like you're with Nina in every scene. There's, like, not really scenes where it's, you know, Vincent Cassell and uh, Mila Kunis off doing something. Like, yeah. there's, like, little tidbits, but it's all from her perspective. Yeah. Which I think is a, a very, very Aronofsky approach to something like that. To shoot it like a documentary, but to have it all be, like, a very introspective, like, character piece. Yeah. And I it kind of goes back to a topic that I didn't talk about in the Transformers episode. But I think it's, like, relevant to this, which is, like, like I said, Transformers, like, one of the last, like we gotta save the world movies that I enjoyed. And I like movies like this because it's like, it's not a grand giant high stakes yeah. situation. This is so contained to the point where it's like, if you really wanted to tell yourself, I don't give a shit about this ballet, you're yeah. not gonna enjoy the movie. You're not gonna be able to get in her head. You're not gonna be able to understand what's going on. You like very much have to be like, this is her world. We're gonna step into her world as tiny and unfamiliar as it is to us. Yeah. But like this whole story takes place in just this very tiny blip of like reality. Yeah. And even even if you don't know anything about ballet, everybody has had something that they are very passionate about and love that they will literally die for. And it's it, the thing with any sort of art field is it's it's not like math. There is no finite answer. There is no something that makes it perfect. And this this perfectly portrays how perfection is solely in the eye of the beholder and if the the person creating it is not happy they won't produce a good product yeah it's and that's what we see and we see it come to fruition and it's it's beautiful it's lovely this movie makes me cry every single time because it just I, when i first got this movie on blu-ray i immediately popped it and i was downstairs and then the movie finished and my mother leans over the balcony because we have like an open basement. And she goes, are you crying? And I'm just like <laughs> sitting there at 15 again, weeping over how beautiful I was perfect. Is. I was perfect. <laughs> you were, Nina. You were. 
Um, I would like to take a minute to talk to you about the cinematography, because the more times I've watched this and the older I've gotten, the more I've talked to you about cinematography, the more things I notice. Uh, there are, the takes in this are really long. Yeah. There's They're not really a lot of cuts, and the camera is weaving. It's, it, I'm sure it's been said before, but the camera dances with the dancers. Yeah, yeah. It is. I wonder if they hired a ballet dancer and see to see who was strong enough to hold the camera and be like, "Can you do spins while you hold this?" Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's it's fully in there, especially near the end when the actual ballet is happening. They are on stage. You hear the breath. You hear the footsteps. It 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 makes ballet fun. I've seen ballet. Ballet is boring. Yeah. Yeah. But th- this is intense and it feels beautiful and fun. How hard do you think it was for that cameraman to get those shots? I mean, because it's Matthew Libatique and this is their, you know, fifth movie together, I imagine at this point it's probably kind of like a pretty well-oiled machine when they do it. But I know that I want to say like a majority of their shooting time was done doing that kind of stuff, was like getting the, the dancing and like getting like the right tracks and stuff for it. Because yeah. um, it's like, they're very intense shots. And I yeah. think that um, this was definitely one of my favorite sound-wise of his movies. Not score-wise, but like, I mean, and the score is good. Don't get me wrong. It's well, probably... It's, tri- it's all Tchaikovsky. So. Yeah, yeah. It's also like Clint Manziel's last good score with Aronofsky. Yeah. Not to not to poke holes, but it is. Um, but I, I, like, I like the way like you hear those intense like tappings of like their little feet and like the skirts across like the, the ground when they like move. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like it when they use like the naturalistic sounds of dancing as opposed to just taking away all of like the diegetic sounds mm-hmm. and just having like music fill over it. Like it's, you know, like a musical or something. Yeah. Um, I noticed that like, I know we talked about this before too, the uh, 2017 Suspiria does that too, where it's oh, yeah, completely yeah. silent dancing and you just hear like the natural breathing and the moving. Yeah. And uh, that stuff's crazy. I think it, it adds to like a, a crazy level of intensity. It does. It, it makes it, it just, it makes it feel more real. Um, not, this movie feels both real and not real at the same time. It's, it, it walks that line really well. It's, the, the other thing that I liked with the sound is you have kind of like old school horror sound effects. Throughout this whole movie with yeah. like whispers and like mutters and like screeching. There's like a violin screech at I was one say, point. You have like some of those loud like quick bangs and like yeah. quick pulls of the string. Which goes which goes back to the score as well. Um, so the this movie wasn't eligible for best score at the Oscars because it's just like remixed Swan Lake Tchaikovsky. That's yeah. the whole I think there's one original song to give it some flavor uh but and i'm pretty th- sure that's the song that sounds like it's from requiem for a dream yeah it's, like it, it sounds just like it just in a slightly different key but he clint mansell did a really good job sort of remixing tchaikovsky to make it this like crazy horror thing like um because this is an aronofsky film we have an aronofsky climax where everything just goes balls to the walls nuts and that whole climax is completely scored and remixed with Tchaikovsky and he fills in the gaps where the score doesn't fit by just hitting a single piano note oh over and over and over until he can move into the next piece interesting it it so he he found the familiar note in both pieces and just kept repeating that during the low notes or the low moments of the film until it pushed back into crazy so you're never without score you're always hearing the Swan Lake Tchaikovsky score which then 
bleeds into the actual performance. It doesn't feel jarring because you've been hearing it the whole movie. When they actually do the performance, you feel like you're a part of that ballet and you know this music just as well as the dancers because you've heard it subconsciously throughout the whole film. Yeah. It's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, you also, yeah, in a, 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 like very Aronofsky fashion, he sets it up with an incredible starting shot which like sets you up perfectly, especially with the score too. It, it gives you everything that you're about to get into this movie like in the first two minutes. Yeah. Which is so crazy because I feel like the ending still comes like as a surprise. Like the ending is still like kind of difficult to handle even though from the beginning of the movie, you know, you don't know exactly what's gonna happen, but you know the vibe. Like you know yeah. it's not gonna be good. Yeah. <laughs> and But you just are like, but where where is it gonna go? It's... But- and where he takes it is very unique places. So it, the, one of these things, the, the, one of the things that I both hate and love is this movie has body horror. This is a horror film. I've always viewed this movie as a horror film. Um, and this, the, the fact that they took the psychosis not into her just thinking everybody's against her, but into like this, I think I read an interview with Aronofsky where he called it a were-swan, like a werewolf, but a were-swan. Yeah, <laughs> of course um, And she, she gets so sucked in the role that she starts believing that, you know, she is the swan and it, 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 it's such a unique take to take a character piece into like this body horror nutso thing. Yeah while dealing with like schizophrenic delusions and all that jazz it almost seems like a like a brother's grim like story. yeah it, do, it like, does feel like a fairy tale yeah yeah a little bit like a dark one that's beautiful what do you it think is- of winona ryder because every time i watch this movie <laughs> whoo so so i have this note too i feel like this is why because i between her and mila kunis and i think it's because like aronofsky has this like perfect level of like serious over dramatized like dialogue yeah we're like i'm trying to think of the way to describe it every time i hear mila kunis or see her act i feel like i can see her trying to act every yeah. single time i can see it same with winona Ryder. i can like see her physically trying to act and this movie i feel like it works perfectly because it makes everything they say feel so disingenuine i mean i think <laughs> winona Ryder goes off the rails but like with with mila kunis like i feel like that's her idea of a genuine delivery but because it seems like she's acting you're pre- and like natalie portman's thinking that she's acting yeah. like you read it that way the whole time and you're like wait is she a nice person is she after the role did they have hot sex in her bedroom while her mom was outside i don't know who is the bird <laughs> who is the bird <laughs> who the fuck is the bird <laughs> This this movie again, it's all the pieces falling perfectly into place. I think. I mean, this they took a swing and they happened to miss, but I think they went in with we might fucking miss. Yeah, yeah. Cause casting Mila Kunis, I know Darren Aronofsky has talked heavily about how he was like, I just needed women that looked like each other. That's yeah. all I needed. And I think he went in grasping at only that. And he's like, I'm just going to hope I'm a good enough director to get whoever I get, who may be a bad actor, to guide them in the right direction. And I think I think Mila Kunis does a way better job than people give her credit for. I know the whole joke is like, you know, she just sounds like Meg. That's her yeah. voice. She well, can't I mean, help it. I don't, yeah, I don't even, that's not even where I get hung up on it. She's just like, yeah, no, I think I think she does a good job. I just don't feel like she as an actress really adds anything extra no. than what's already given to you but also it's like 
is that really the point of Lily's character? I think she's just supposed to be there in Nina's like peripheral to be like somebody's targeting me specifically. Yeah. They, Which is I think that's a good way to do it. Yeah. They they needed someone with like like dark brooding features, somebody that looks a little bit more edgy. To yeah. give that sort of counter doppelganger effect, which is another reference Aronofsky has made. This is basically his take on the Russian novel, The Doppelganger. Okay. Um, uh, with all this, which bleeds heavily into everything. Winona Ryder, I think, I think she's the weakest part of this film. Oh, when easily. She, when she acts drunk, she, don't dismiss me like that. Like, she just sounds ridiculous she no, looks Winona Ryder's career just kind of started when she was washed up <laughs> and I genuinely enjoy some of the stuff that she's in but yeah I mean oh yeah I love Edward Scissorhands I think Heathers is fun Heathers I haven't seen Heathers oh you might like it. I think it's funny should we um, do he Heathers I'm down but, but uh yeah I mean she's she's over the top crazy but I don't, I don't know. I kind of like it. I kind of like having, like, one hysterical character already. Yeah. Because you can kind of see, like, where it's... That's another, like, like leading tentpole of being, like, this is where it's going to end up. <laughs> like, yeah. You think Natalie Portman's not going to become this by the end of the movie? She definitely will. And more. She, and yeah, more. Winona Ryder is the foreshadow for everything. Um, there's it, The movie tells you everything, like... There's, like, this scene between Natalie Portman and Vincent Cassell where he's like, everything Beth does comes from this dark impulse, which is just, it's actually him talking about yeah. Natalie Portman. Well, yeah. Sorry. It, oh, no, you're kidding. <laughs> that sounded so condescending. Well, duh, bitch. No, I know, but I'm explaining. <laughs> so rude. Well, no, it, it follows the, uh, the perfect Aronofsky formula where it's like, oh, they're not going to notice its exposition of someone saying it in an accent. He's <laughs> <laughs> Harry. He's my only son. <laughs> when I see you dance, I only see the white swan, not the black swan. How good is Vincent Cassell in this? <laughs> he's great. He I, is... I forgot he's in, he's in Irreversible, too. Oh, he is? Yeah, yeah. Oh, of he's, course he is. He's, he's the French. main character. He's like the, well, the main character, quote unquote. He's the guy you follow for the first half of the movie, and he's a fucking nut in that movie. He, go, he goes balls to the walls in that performance. But He seems like a nut-oh actor. I'm surprised he's, he's as French, restrained. I'm sure. Huh? I think he's French, so yeah, I bet he's a nutso actor. Yeah, he's very French. Yeah. <laughs> he started his career doing French kung fu movies. Interesting. That's yeah. dope. That's so dope. Maybe that's why he, uh, they hired him, because what is kung fu but just aggressive dancing? Aggressive ballet. <laughs> I want to see a kung fu musical. <laughs> that would be so sick. Honestly, Kill Bill you could on turn, ice. You could turn Kung Fu Panda into a musical easily. Um, I'm surprised it wasn't. It's I, already yeah, halfway I there. But I, there, is a, there is a warm part of my heart seeing a star from one of Gaspar's movies in Aronofsky's movies. I don't know why that just draws such a cinematic parallel. It's like maybe one day they'll just like hang out and get drinks and like write the best screenplay of all time. Like, I, I feel- Who the fuck knows? I feel like they're the same person, just different nationalities. And like, one, yeah, yeah, both with par parental issues. Yeah. We also have to write, what is, what is, what happened to Darren Aronofsky where he cannot write good relationships between kids and parents? But I guess that's most directors. I- I mean, I relate to it. I think it's great. I mean, <laughs> I don't, don't want it to the change. Mom, the mom is real crazy, though. We do have oh, to talk yeah, we, about, she's fucking scary. 
Yeah. I don't, don't want to say too much, but... But, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Some family I, members might listen. But, yeah. Uh, she's literally nuts. Uh, and it's very real. And it's very... That's, like, the realest part of the movie is, like, how she acts and behaves. Like, her um, gaslighting, how manipulative she is. And, like, especially yes. seeing, like, how timid and, like nervous nina is it makes me extra uncomfortable being like that's because she was bred in this environment that's how her mom wants to keep her and like that's just kind of how she is it just it's icky and it's like she love bombs her crazily like she's constantly like my sweet girl so nice like gets her cake like all these things and then like abuses the crap out of her emotionally because it all Um, comes with a with a price like yeah everything's everything's a scale like i did this for you so i get to treat you like this it's but Barbara Hershey nails it. I had never seen Barbara Hershey in literally anything until I saw Black Swan. I was like, who the hell is this, like, old actress? Like, why is she not in more? Because she's incredible in this. This old bitch. Who the fuck <laughs> is that? <laughs> she, I came I've for Black Swan, not Black Old Bat. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's absolutely incredible. And she she... She feels like another one of Nina's delusions at times. This yeah. whole movie, the more times I watch it, the more I start thinking of it um, as kind of like, are we actually written, witnessing the world that Nina lives in or are we witnessing the, the world that Nina thinks she lives in? Yeah, and I think that's supposed to be like the artistic, like, yeah. you'll never know. It's up yeah, to We'll your never know, and I don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> but it... It's, I feel the only inclination I have that that theory might be right, which it probably isn't, it's probably just a fluke, is at the final end, spoilers, uh, Natalie Portman stabs herself in her uterus and bleeds on a mattress. And you have a brief moment where Vincent Cassell is like horrifically confused how this happened. But it's like everybody has been watching this girl have a mental breakdown every 30 seconds. There's no way they didn't see this coming (laughs) unless they haven't been seeing her have a mental breakdown because she's in her own little world and we've been watching that world and not what everybody else sees. It's usually the quietest voices that scream the loudest pain. (laughs) She whispered I was perfect. She did need help. She did need help and no one helped her. They helped her learn how to masturbate. She masturbates four times technically in this. But how many times does she really feel the satisfaction? It that's the message. <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we also have the uh, the creepy sexual relationship between her and the teacher. Vincent which Cassell, is like, which is based on a real guy. It's based course, on. A- I mean, of course it is because <laughs> like. Like, you know, when people nowadays, like, teachers get, like, me too'd for doing weird sex stuff with kids, they imagine they're that guy. <laughs> they're, they're like, oh, no, I'm, I'm enhancing their, like, artistic I'm experience. sexy in French. Yeah. Let me grab you and, you know, teach you how to be sexy so you could be sexy for other people. It feels it's, so manipulative and gross. It's just it's like, awful. I'm bringing this out of you. It's like, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> Also, it's like, she's clearly, like, timid if she's been at the company for four years. Like, I feel like you know that girl by now. You know she's yeah. not going to want to do like that. She's not going to want your fingers over her tights, you weirdo. Stop. <laughs> so sexy. Over your A-cup boobs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she, Natalie Portman is aggressively skinny in this. I felt like her bones were going to cut the camera lens. did they lose, like, a fuck ton of weight for this role? Yeah. And all the people that had to play, like, Nina's doppelganger-esque person had to lose, like, maybe 20 pounds or something like that. 
when I'm they're all sure... already oh, sorry, thin. You keep on... Well, they're already thin, and then you tack 20 pounds yeah. less. Yeah, like, I think I read something that Mila Kunis lost, like, 20 or 30 pounds, and I'm like, how is she, like, still grounded on Earth? How is she not floating <laughs> through the atmosphere? <laughs> but my favorite part, and this is why I, like, I just think I like Mila Kunis as a person. I think that the next thing was like, yeah, as soon as they rap, she immediately put the weight back on on purpose. <laughs> what are you? Oh, yeah, 100%. I just think that's, you very rarely hear that that's what actresses do. They're like, oh, look at me, super skinny. I'm going to go change that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, she's still super skinny, obviously, but. And Anne Hathaway talked about how she lost a bunch of weight for Les Mis. And then she complained that being so skinny, all she wanted was tomatoes and lettuce when she finished. I'm like, shut the fuck up, Anne Hathaway. No, you're a liar. You wanted a burger. Tomatoes and lettuce smeared between cheese and a fucking, (laughs) yeah, and a burger patty and two thick-ass sesame buns dipped in ketchup. That's what you really want. That's what you wanted, but yeah, sure, you're a skinny legend. Did, um... I think, I mean, I know this is public knowledge and I could just Google it. Did Natalie Portman, she knew how to do ballet before this, like briefly, or did she learn it for this? She took a year's worth of training. Um, Mila Kunis was the only one who had ballet training as like a kid um, in a little bit. So she had to just do some touch-ups. I think Mila Kunis did six months, but Natalie Portman actually trained for a year um, and did a majority of her own dancing. There was some lawsuit or dispute that happened between the, like, because they have to have a double with this. They have to have, yeah. you, you can very much tell in that long shot she does with the pirouettes, which has not aged well at all. Um, no. we're, Unfortunately, with the amount of fucking intentional grain put on this movie, it yeah. doesn't age well at all. It doesn't. I don't know what the fuck Darren Aronofsky was thinking, because I know it's intentional. Like, I know there's no way their lighting was just that bad throughout or it's that grainy. That seems like he was like, oh, let's make it look like a real film. So I I have an idea. Yeah, You notice the like plucked chicken effect on her? That is like put on her a lot. Um, Like it's on there. And I think the grain was there to make you question whether or not it was there. That's my theory. Because there are some parts where it doesn't look like it's there, but it's really there. I've, like, blown it up and, like, yeah, yeah. really picked I, it I apart. just know that he's one of those directors who puts grain on things, yeah. like, aesthetically. And I know this movie was intentionally supposed to be super sure. grainy, but I think I think it goes a little over the top. It looks yeah. like your Skype screen. Yeah. <laughs> the entire opening shot looks like I'm watching something on Skype, and I was like, oh, way to just lose all of the uh, definition in your silhouette there. So we can't see the detail they put in things. There are times, yeah. There are so many times where they they superimpose Natalie Portman's face onto uh, some of the other dancers, and like I have never been able to see it clearly since the theater. It doesn't matter what TV I'm watching it on. It doesn't matter how crisp the resolution is. You can. It's so hard to tell that that's Natalie Portman's yeah. face slapped on there. Especially, I want the the one walking past her. You kind of notice. There's one where she's like half silhouetted. And like in the shadows, that one looks really hard. Even the one where it switches Mila Kunis when she's going down on yeah. herself. That CG, I was like, that is weird. Yeah. It's weird. That, yeah. that shot, I think it's just, Natalie Portman has one of those faces where every angle looks like a completely <laughs> different person. So when <laughs> some of them, it just looks, it looks like she's like smeared. Yeah. So I don't know if that's like a weird rotoscope. So when or... she's, when she's eating herself out, um, she, <laughs> she looks up and because it's like a top down Kubrick angle, it doesn't look like Natalie Portman at all. It looks like a completely random bitch. And I know I still have no idea 
who the person is that's supposedly stalking her after her mental breakdown at the hospital in her house. I don't know if that's Beth. I don't know if that's Natalie Portman. That could be me. That could be Vincent Cassell for all I know. I have no <laughs> idea who it is is standing in the shadows wearing... <laughs> I'm so sorry. The, just imagining that fucking cut she whips and it's just Vincent Cassell with his tight black pants and his ascot being like, show me the moves. <laughs> He's like, now twirl, twirl. <laughs> Your Fuerta is like a spider spinning web. Attack it, attack it, attack it. <laughs> he is fighting with that accent every day. Every single fucking second he speaks. You need subtitles for that man. I mean, nothing he says is important, but it adds. Just to know oh, how much he's struggling. It's important because it's just telling you everything that you already kind of know. <laughs> yeah. But they need to have some dialogue in this movie. Yeah, instead Which of just Natalie to, Portman you have crying. To admit, there's actually not a whole lot of actual dialogue in this movie. No, because Natalie Portman needs time to weep heavily. The only thing <laughs> she's good at. Mirrors. You know, props, this is another reason why I hate Natalie Portman in a lot of roles is because when she cries, she cries. Like, it's, it's, she's not there to cry pretty. She's not there to just display a little bit of sadness. Like, she's having a panic attack instantly. <laughs> just, I, Fetal she, position. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, we've all been there after heavily crying. You Like, I think of the scene where she's, like, packing up the makeup. When she's scared and she's like, <gasps> like, we've all been there, but like, yeah. it's distracting. Can you dial it back? I'm trying to enjoy the movie. I love I just it imagine Aronofsky like over the editor's ear being like, yeah, crank it up a little louder, a little louder. And <laughs> add some grain, add some grain. Okay, bring it back just a little bit. Perfect. Fucking perfect. <laughs> she <You> just hear. <gasps> <gasps> She is having a panic attack at every shot of this movie. <laughs> That's what got her the Oscar. Yeah, and she fully deserves it. Oh, uh, real quick, I didn't finish my thought. So there was a, a brief lawsuit that happened with the double, the dancing double for her. Dancing because double? Dancing double. Anytime you don't see Natalie Portman's feet, it is Natalie Portman doing the dancing. Whenever you see the feet, it is the double um, because the feet have to be in point A position, which takes years of training your tendons and your muscles to be able to do and do correctly. So, of course, they're not going to have Nally Portman break her toes. Um, but a majority of the shots don't show the feet. It is Nally Portman doing the movements, um, you know, getting in position. And she's also emoting. 90% of this movie is the camera on Nally Portman's face being expressive so she's doing dancing yes flat-footed but also re while remembering to emote while dancing with a camera while dancing with others while remembering her character like the oscar fully is deserved to natalie portman for this um i i don't think anybody can argue that but i find it funny <laughs> that someone was like no she doesn't deserve this because i stood in for her even though they said that from the beginning. Like, hey, just so you know, we are doing some superimposing because Natalie Portman can't do this. Like, she was fully credited, but she's like, I want more money. Yeah. Which is so weird. It's like, well, what do you what do you want? <laughs> what if her story is- Do you, do you is want it to be one of those, like, super obvious where, like, every time she's dancing, it cuts away to a completely different fucking person and the shot's totally different? Yeah. 
I mean, it's painfully obvious it's the double during that big pirouette scene because the face... And the beginning, too, a little bit. But, the... I mean, you can't see anything in the beginning, so I... you're not really thinking about it, so I don't think it matters. But with the big, like, morph into the bird shot, Natalie Portman's superimposed face, like, slides. Like, it's all... It's terrible. It does not work anymore. The <laughs> nose is different. It looks <laughs> horrific. It looks terrible. I, I, I watch the face every single time. And the wings look terrible, too, as they, like, morph into the wings. That looks like some 2003 shit. Yeah, that's where they really, really leaned on the spin cuts. Yeah. I noticed that's their big move to hide all the big effects is the spin, the rotating cuts. Um, just so the blur can maybe get rid of some of it. Which, I mean, like, props. I do feel like the, the climax of this movie definitely gets weaker and weaker as it ages. Yeah. Just because I, I also just feel like I personally always want more from the movie. Like, just overall, I want I want more Aronofsky crazy. Yeah. But like like I said, it's definitely his most stomachable and like most digestible. But I just want I just wanted a little bit more. I really like, especially at like the top of the third act where she's like almost like overly cocky like bitchy type of like oh yeah star. she becomes a savage yeah After i Beth, want i really want just like 20 more minutes of that maybe like of her 50, being a cunt of to her people just being an absolute bitch before <laughs> she just goes full psycho she does she becomes an absolute savage at the end he's like i've already announced lillian she's like fuck you i'm doing it i don't care have you yeah, announced yeah. it she's after my part <laughs> i I do love the line read that it is that they switched to Natalie Portman for it of I'll dance the black swan for you where she plays like evil Natalie Portman, which yeah. she needs to do more roles where she's evil. That would be tight. She's really good at it. She's always like the nice girl. She would be a good like, like evil sidekick. Yeah. Like cast her in, as Shigo in like the, the Kim Possible movie. <laughs> She'd be a great Shigo. That'd be a tight Shigo. She's a She'd have to get real that. bitchy. Yeah. I do. I mean, I do like the the doppelganger thing. I also like like the little call to it when he's like, "Oh, that's why you guys look alike." When they like meet the guys in the in the club. I like the club scene too. It's uh, I like that it, it shows that nobody else gives a shit about ballet. <laughs> and I also love that it gives you like that little bit of like. It's almost like that turning point, like when the lights get all crazy and shit. Like that's where like the third act like kicks off, and it's like, okay, yeah. this is the Darren I know. This is what I remember. Let's let's send it and keep going. Every time um, you go into an Aronofsky film, you're just waiting. You're just sitting there. Yeah, like, I'm when's waiting on bated breath. Yep. When's the nutso shit? It's like being in line at a haunted house. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is, and that's why Noah was so disappointing. Yeah. Because when I watched Noah and the rain hit, I was like, oh, here we go. We've got the score. Everything's crazy. Camera's going nuts. And then it lasts for five minutes. And then I get to sit and watch uh, Russell Crowe be slightly sad for an hour and a half. And I'm. <laughs> Why is it so long after the flood? <laughs> so stupid. But this. Did you notice all the, the cut in frames during the club scene? Yes, yes. How sick is that? I love that. Well, that yeah, that's one of my, my favorite. That's where I was like, that's where I'm saying, like, that's the Aronofsky I know, where it's yeah. like, it's not just a normal strobe light dance scene. Shit gets wonky. Each one of those cuts is, like, very strategic. The color's changing. Like, the pacing on it's very particular. Yeah. Where it's like... It, it's fun and it's cool, but it's also, it carries that, like, just hint of unsettled, like, unsettlingness, yeah. where you're like... Where is this going to go? What mm -hmm. is going to happen? 
She's gonna eat herself out. <laughs> I do kind of like that that um like subversion of expectation where it's like it's sexy now. <laughs> like yeah. now it's a sexy lesbian scene <laughs> where it's like it could have been it could she could have started tripping balls like losing her mind like ended up in some random house somewhere else. Nah nah she's fucking herself. They be fucking. <laughs> <laughs> it's so aggressive it's so i was the only person in my christian school to own this movie gee imagine that <laughs> i had people who had and some i i was telling everybody i owned it because i was excited about owning this movie i had people who have never even blinked in my general direction coming up to me and asking to borrow the film <laughs> people who didn't even know i existed were like can i borrow black swan i'm like it's not the scene you think it is whatever you're imagining in your head is not what this movie has in store for you Go watch V for Vendetta like everybody else who wants to see lesbian action but can't access Pornhub on their parents' internet, you fucking troglodyte. Fucking <laughs> grow up. Uh, I, but I let him borrow it. But I let him borrow it. They need to see that. Like, this is what an artsy sex scene looks like. Yeah. She eats herself out. I also love how all of the sex scenes come with baggage, too. Like, you're like, oh, we're watching Natalie Portman masturbate, and then her mom's just there. <laughs> oh, can we talk about not just a snap zoom, a double snap. It's a snap zoom out. So it snap zooms and then snaps back out. <laughs> it's so good. It's beautiful to the score, too. Yeah. I love because it's it's very old. So it feels like something out of The Exorcist, that show. I know, yeah. Yeah, well, I, that's, I feel like that's this whole movie's, like, aesthetic, where it's, like, it's a two, it's 2010, but, like, it feels, like... Kind of timeless? Dated. Yeah, yeah. It feels dated, but in a timeless way, where it's, like, yeah. an aesthetic. Like, it's supposed to look older and, like, rigged and a little bit more, which is, like, again, another one of his, like, kind of staples with his movies. And I feel like most of the time when you add grain and shoot shit at night... And have it a Nokia all- flip phone. <laughs> <laughs> it is 2010. I had an iPhone in 2010. What are you doing with a Nokia flip phone? I don't think he knows that that technology <laughs> advanced. How much do you want to bet he still has a Blackberry? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not going to bet against you, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm, now I'm interested. I don't know. He doesn't really make stuff that's based in like modern modern day like it is but it isn't i don't know it's like how harry potter all constantly takes place in the 90s but no one really remembers that except for hogwarts which is for some reason like in the 20s (laughs) (laughs) it's like you guys can't afford like steel beams instead of brick still (laughs) why are people writing a log grocery store (laughs) you have magic why do you have parchment? Can nobody get sticky notes in Hogwarts? What is happening? All right, so let me let me get this straight. We have flying cars, but no pens. <laughs> Not a single like ballpoint pen anywhere. None of them. <laughs> I just want to know. <laughs> I want a Harry Potter movie where you go to Hogwarts. <laughs> I just show up with my iPad and my fucking <laughs> Pilot G2. I'm like, I am ready, and they're like, Oh my fucking god, this girl's nuts. <laughs> What is that shit? This is the next Voldemort. (laughs) (laughs) It's just me ripping all their social security numbers on my iPhone. (laughs) You want to see real evil? Watch me drain your bank account in two seconds. (laughs) 
I want this movie. <laughs> I need you. I want to write your character, you as a person, in just like very bizarre. Like, I want you in Lord of the Rings. I want you in Harry Potter. I want you in Star Wars. I feel like I'd get so tired if I were in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> we'd, we'd hit like hour two and my character would be like, for a ring, we couldn't go to like Jared's or something. <laughs> Can we Fuck. pawn this? Like, is there a pawn shop nearby? They'll take care of it. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> but back to Black Swan. Oh, yeah, we're talking about Black Swan. Not, not I want to be, uh, let's put my character as Vincent Cassell in Black Swan. <laughs> spin! Spin, you dumb bitch! Spin! <laughs> do the toe thing. Now do the toe thing. Arms! That sounds right. Arms. Let me touch your boobs a little bit. Oh, wow. They feel like a child. I'm going <laughs> to just quickly withdraw. As you were. Uh, also, I keep... Who, who the fuck... I didn't I didn't pay attention this last time. Where is Sebastian Stan, Stan in this oh, yeah. movie? Who the fuck does he play? Surprise, Sebastian Stan. He's one of the dudes in the bars. He's the dude that's um, talking to Natalie Portman who doesn't know oh, what ballet is. Oh, that's why I didn't notice. Yeah, okay. he looks different without his um, Winter Soldier hair. Well, I've also seen it. I actually, I, I honestly, now that I know that he's the Winter Soldier, didn't just now, like just two days ago, realize that. <laughs> I know him from I, Tanya, and Pam and Tommy, which he looks polar. He looks completely different in both of those. Really? Because he looks completely different in fucking Winter Soldier and then looks different in this. You think he looks different? He looks like Sebastian Stan with a different box of Revlon hair dye on. They, well, I think it's because his eyes are a different color. When I oh. see actors that I don't know super well and their eyes are a different color. Like, I sent you that, that picture of William H. Macy with brown eyes. Oh, yeah, it, that was weird. It took me, like, half, like, I knew it was him because he's so distinctive, but I, like, it took me half a second to be, like, but his eyes are always, like, so noticeable, and it wasn't like that. And I was yeah. like, is that him? I need to think about this for a second. It's like when I was watching Pam and Tommy, it took me half of the first episode to realize I was looking at Seth Rogen because he wasn't wearing his glasses. <laughs> I was I was like, who is this guy? He sounds familiar. <laughs> it's Seth Rogen. <laughs> I had no idea. Damn. Uh, what else can we say about Black Swan? Yeah, what more do you want? Did you want to go more in the score or the cuts or the I, beautiful... I the acting. beautiful, the beautiful <laughs> all the, of our ladies. This this acting works just because of the movie it's in. You could not put this this acting in anything else. No, it wouldn't work. You could you couldn't you, if you're if you want to be an aggressive over the top actor, uh, ask Aaron Aronofsky if he has anything available, and you will probably get at least a nomination because he <laughs> he caters to you. He just wait till he teams up with Zendaya to make the Euphoria movie. <laughs> oh, oh my God! I'm, you know, I'm honestly because he's got to be tight for money. He hasn't done anything in like eight years. <laughs> well, he's um, he actually he's not tight for money because he signed on to do a Nat Geo special with Disney. So I think he's fine. <laughs> he did the he just did the new Chris Hemsworth like America like Nat Geo whatever the fuck they did. Um, yeah. I don't know what any but he of should be is. releasing the whale. I don't know what the fuck you're doing in Africa, Darren. I saw your Instagram story. Get the fuck back here and finish your movie. Yeah, I saw that too. I was like, we're never getting this movie. They, I noticed they also took the release date off of it on Letterbox. It doesn't say 2022 anymore. So no! If I, if I don't get it this year, I'm gonna be pissed. 
What? It's, I'm going to be so pissed. They've been doing this movie for like 10 years. We don't even know if Brendan Fraser is going to live any longer. Have you seen him? He looks like death. Is he okay? It's his back. His back bankrupt oh, yeah, his him. Back is fucked. But like, I don't know. He's going to have like spinal marrow bleeding into his brain or something. He just doesn't look okay. He looks like he needs to be on an episode of House. <laughs> he's so messed up. I feel so bad for him because he's a really good actor. That's why the whale, the whale's going to be his comeback. It's going to make no money, but it's going to be know. great. It's going to uh, be I, good. I do want to applaud probably the rough choice it was to just take the Tchaikovsky score and, and bleed it through the movie. Cause I'm, I'm. Oh yeah, have you heard anything about like what their decision to do that and or why it's Black Swan spe- or why it's Swan Lake specifically? Cause the movie's about Swan Lake. Well, yeah, but he wrote. They're not the gonna script. take the Nutcracker and put it through the movie. Oh my goodness, I was wondering <laughs> why. Like, whatever, never mind. As you were, I was trying to ask an artistic question. I'll save oh, it okay, for Darren. Okay. I'll well, save it for Darren. It's fine. Keep going. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Was I mean? I'm sorry. I love you. No, you're fine. Halfway through asking it, I was like, I don't think that she would even know the answer to this question. So, <laughs> so like, why they chose to do the score throughout the movie? No, I'm just interested in like why he picked Swan Lake specifically. Oh, this I do know. I actually do know. Okay, this. okay. <laughs> I so I don't feel like a fool. <laughs> so, so uh, it's it's a tie-in of two answers. So originally, The Wrestler and Black Swan were one movie. Um, Marissa Tomei's character was originally supposed to be a ballerina, where, like, all this kind of stuff was happening. It was supposed to be, like, he called it his, like, tights love romance movie, where it's, like, you have two people that basically do the same thing, but, um, but also polar opposite, opposites of each other, and he talks about how it's both, like, extreme representations of what an artist will do to their body to portray what they love, and he found that really interesting as a pairing. But as he was, like, writing and, like, going through everything, he found it beca- it became too heavy, so he separated the two, but still wanted to do um, Black Swan um, and, like, do a ba- ballet story because he went and saw Swan Lake and found it incredibly interesting how the black and white swan was played by the same ballerina, which is an actual thing that they do. Yeah. Um, and he's like, that's really, really cool. I can write a story about that. Tried to cram it into movies, couldn't do it, separated the two, and now we have two of his best films. He does yeah. he does best when he has a bare bones story, I think. Oh, for sure. Well, I feel like that's where like that's where like the lightning strikes and that's where some of like the best filmmaking like is born is from like the necessity to create it but without like the full amount of resources. And I feel like that's yeah. why movies now don't feel nearly as genuine cuz it's like, "Oh, you want to make this? Here's 100 million dollars. Go make it. Have what fun." Was the, what was the budget for Black Swan? Uh, let's I bet look. 50% of it went to Natalie Portman. <laughs> what if she did it for free? Jesus. She's like, I just want to be, I just want to be important. 13 million. That's not a lot. No. I mean, to be fair, Noah's really his only quote unquote big budget movie. <laughs> and his probably last. <laughs> That's what happens when you give like someone who's filmed, what do you call it? Gorilla style? Basically, his whole, yeah. His Basically, whole, guerrilla style. His whole life, he they don't know what to do with all the money. They get confused. Let's build an arc, but, like, <laughs> actually build it. <laughs> and we're going to do what with it? We're just going to build it and see where we go. We're only going to film the rest of the movie, an hour and a half, from the main core of it. But I still want you to build the outside. 
the entire thing. Build everything. For the BTS clips. <laughs> I need it. I wonder if I he do... took it home. Oh. <laughs> yeah, can I just have this airlifted to Brooklyn? <laughs> you didn't see it while you were in New York? Just this big arc? <laughs> it's right in front of the Statue of Liberty, actually. It's the set piece from Darren Aronofsky's Noah. It's just hanging out there in the harbor. <laughs> I love that. They should do that. If anyone's listening, that's important enough. Put put the Noah set in New York in the water. <laughs> I would go see it. You could charge for that. I would pay fifty yeah, bucks. Yeah, yeah. You could go on it. You could get like a ferry. They could charge people to just walk through it. They could put animatronic animals in it. <laughs> Russell Crowe will show up. He's got nothing yeah, better he to will. do. I just want to say the rest of the cast. I think is busy doing actual things, but Russell Crowe will definitely be there. He'll be there to fight people. <laughs> I do want to say for those two, for the wrestler and Black Swan being from the same script. First off, yes, if those were one movie, that movie would be four hours long, and everybody would be sobbing through the last two hours of it. Maybe not even because it was so sad, but but just because it's just too much. <laughs> but I'm also surprised that like how they were both able to get made, being so similar, and how they're like. Both really good and still pretty different, I would yeah. say. They, I would not say that the people who like Black Swan are guaranteed to like the wrestler and vice versa. Yeah. The the wrestler is his it feels like his most it feels like his Manchester by the sea kind of deal. Like it's yeah. very real, it's very like a personal story, and then Black Swan is Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's just, the wrestler's it's, it, way more of like the the type of character piece you were talking about originally. One of those kind of yeah. like day in the life mumblecore type things where it's My, like, yeah. this guy's down on his luck. His yeah. family hates him and his job is not good. Here's that for two hours. The Ram. I don't. Good movie though. Would recommend. I, I It is a good movie. I can't. It's not one I can just put on and get lost in. Like if I'm going to no. sit down and watch The Wrestler, I'm watching The Wrestler. I'm invested. I need. I need to be focused. The Black Swan I put on anytime. Anytime I'm having a great time. Yeah, yeah. I feel like The Wrestler is one of the movies, one of his movies that you really have to watch. Watch. Black Swan, I feel like once you've seen it, you can put it on and just enjoy it afterwards. Yeah. Um, But I feel like it's more entertaining. I do I do want to take a minute to talk about some of the more subtle things in this movie. I want to talk about the color scheme for this movie. Oh yes. This movie is strictly white. Pastel pink, black, olive, and gray. Those are the only colors you see. Oh, that's why you like it, because there's olive. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm wearing olive. I tried to mimic the color scheme. I'm wearing olive pants and gray shirt. I don't own anything pastel pink, but I am wearing in the pink family. It's a it's a burgundy flannel, a, <laughs> by yeah. the way, in case anyone's wondering what's in the pink family. Oh, I forgot. Burgundy flannel. <laughs> I forgot we don't do video. <laughs> We will eventually. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, those are the only colors you see. And it you start to notice a shift as things happen. So I followed a lot with like the costuming because like these costumes are great too. You're making ballet dresses. Those are always incredible to look at. But they're so intricate and beautiful and fantastical. These would never work for an actual ballet. But because we're dealing with like a fantasy world, you can kind of go over the top. And even with Natalie Portman's like when she's just rehearsing, you see her shift from like white pastel pinks into gray and then into full black as her character sort of darkens and becomes the the thing that Natalie Portman said she viewed this movie as is a girl becoming a woman. 
Um, so apparently that means you become evil as you become a woman. Say. <laughs> but <laughs> that's we all now know who Natalie who Portman you, is as Natalie? a person. <laughs> she's an evil bitch. Murder, she's a woman. Murders herself and jumps off a fucking pedestal. Yeah, this is a metaphor for me becoming a woman. Yep. The, the stab is actually Nina's first period. <laughs> so that's a thing. You're joking. <laughs> but that's the thing. You can find it on the trivia. She apparently, it wasn't like an argument, but she was having a discussion after the stab where she's like, I think the blood is a little too low. They're going to think it's menstrual blood. And Darren Aronofsky like, apparently looked at her and went, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine him raising an eyebrow on his egghead. Hmm. <laughs> You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like menstrual blood, huh? <laughs> oh, let me get All you right, some so tampons. She's gonna be going through her period, <laughs> <laughs> but we're gonna do it on a stage. <laughs> Kudos to the fact that there aren't any Brooklyn accents in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I... <laughs> Whatever you get into character as Darren Aronofsky, it is the best. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna sue me one day. <laughs> He's gonna find For this. Stealing your like, likeness. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna be like, this is too real. You need to give me some royalties. <laughs> I get sued for copying Darren Aronofsky's voice. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's apparently that that's one of the takes for this, is it's it's the transition from becoming like a scared little girl into like becoming a woman and like your own person. Um, which is bizarre because this movie is about being two people at once and accepting and not being it. being able to. <laughs> yeah, not being able to. So there's a lot happening, but you can view it however you want. I also want to take a minute to talk about the makeup. The makeup in this movie is fantastic. Um, and we'll get to the makeup everybody knows for sure in a second. But I do want to talk about like the subtleties with the way they like painted Natalie Portman um, before she goes full blown. She's it's very minimal. It's very light. I'd be shocked if this bitch is even wearing mascara. Like, she has, like, nothing on. It's very bare bones. They made her look very young. Her hair is always swept away. Um, and even with the bun on her head, as she transitions into, like, more psycho, we see the bun on her back, on the back of her head become more and more disheveled. Ooh, I didn't as notice she, that. Yeah, as she says, so if you rewatch it, her bun is tight. It is, <laughs> it is stapled in it is hair sprayed into oblivion there's not a hair out of place and then as the movie goes the bun becomes more and more fucked up <laughs> to like mimic her brain like it's like just a mess by the end of it it's just like malignant <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a whole got the black thing. swan appearing out of a hole at the back of her head <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and then we also have the makeup that everybody has seen, and everybody now paints on their face to parody. The, like, black swan winged eyes, which, first of all, who, whoever had the stroke of genius to turn this whole section into literal wings needs an Oscar. I wonder if it comes from, like, war paint. It almost looks like, like it tribal does. war paint. It does. So, yeah... It's very creative. Also, the paint on her hands. The, oh, yeah, like she the, has... The, like, metallic skeleton bones over, like, black yeah. black hand. <laughs> Lord did that. Lord the singer did In that. In the movie? That was the, that <laughs> was the makeup artist? <laughs> Don't. 
I mean, in one of her performances, she has that painted on her hands. Oh, okay. <laughs> At, like, the Grammys or something. I remember watching the Grammys and going, went, oh, this bitch saw Black Swan, too. I got it. I got you. I got you. I know what you're referencing. But, yeah, the the the, the choice to paint wings as, like, full war paint eyeliner is just beautiful. And Natalie Portman has the perfect brow for that, where there's straight lines. Yeah. She's so got a great, great brow. Yeah. Wish they were thicker, but... You and your thick brows, but they're yeah. straight lines, so they don't have to paint around the tail or shave the tail off. They just follow yeah. the brow and go up, in, and it goes all the way into her hairline. Like, it is fully painted. And it's got, like, the, the silver outline on it, too. I thought it was just the black the first time I saw it, but... Yeah, no, there are, like, individual little, like, feathers kind of drawn in with some silver, some silver glistening. Glistening. Some silver highlights. What's her now bronzer? We- the bronzer, yeah, they cut her cheeks. Her cheeks are like sh- cut, and she weighs eighty fucking it. pounds. Yeah, <laughs> also that. For Mila she Kunis, take a breath of air, her cheeks just disappear into her fucking mouth. I wonder if anybody fainted on the set. Could you? That would be crazy. You weigh eighty pounds, and you're doing like long takes with dancing. Yeah, give somebody an apple for Christ's sake. <laughs> I just, I feel so bad. Everybody's so skinny. They only eat the seeds. (laughs) (laughs) I'll eat the apple, but just one slice. One slice, just one. I'm watching my figure. (laughs) (laughs) Also, even like the cattiness from all the other girls in the company. Like Oh, Veronica? Veronica. (laughs) Veronica, the, the class A bitch of the whole dance corporation. Look who's decided to grace us with her presence. This is like, Jesus, this is a lot of stank on that line. Fuck you. Yeah. You think this is funny? <laughs> Clearly she doesn't. Nina is like the most homeschool homeschool kid <laughs> ever. She clearly has no alternative motive. I don't even think she knows what an alternative motive is. Oh my god. I never thought about Nina's upbringing as she's homeschooled. She's which homeschooled makes, for sure. It makes everything make so much more sense. <laughs> right? She's just homeschooled. She's essentially Carrie, but after the movie Carrie. Okay, so that was another thing that I was thinking through this movie. As The more times I've watched this movie, the more I get Carrie vibes. Where this is just Carrie, which I love the Carrie archetype story. It's just an innocent girl that snaps. I love that. You can never go wrong with that story. Definitely got to be an influence for something like this because, like, I feel, and you know how much I like to watch shit get messed up, like, especially in Aronofsky movies, but I just feel so bad for her come, like, the second act of this movie. You do. Like, I, like, truly sympathize with her. And it's one of the few times, especially in, in the, well, I guess in the other movies, you do build sympathy for his characters. But it's one of the, the times where it's, like, she really, really just wanted to be a ballerina. And when you yeah. think about, like, just how wholesome her entire goal was, like, that's all she wanted. It's not like the people in Requiem who are, like, trying to get drunks. Like, she's straight up just trying to be a ballerina. It's the most wholesome, like, innocent request ever. And it just turns into absolute fuckery. Yeah, she just, she wants her shot. And it's, it's an, most of... Aranasi's films, like, they're not very relatable. Like, you can't relate to Mother because God is in it. So, like, how, how do you... 
How do you relate to that? You can't relate to Noah because I've never shoved five people on an ark with a bunch of stinky animals and then got survivor's <laughs> guilt. Um, the wrestler, like, I guess. The wrestler, you could, the wrestler's for, like, boomers. Boomers relate yeah. to it and anybody who's not a boomer just watches it as a speculant. <laughs> Like, ah, yes, imagine if I had zero skills. (laughs) (laughs) My life would be terrible. (laughs) How interesting. (laughs) (laughs) But but with Nina, like, it it doesn't matter. We all have some sort of artistic thing that we love, that we're passionate about, that we wish we could thrive in, and all we need is a chance to show ourselves and then you're constantly paranoid as soon as you get that chance that it might just go away. That first chance is the scariest chance yeah. you'll ever have. And this is Nina's first chance, and this is what happens if you let the scariness get to you. <laughs> if you I don't let know the if, swan in. <laughs> I don't know if you've had a first chance, but I've had a first chance with something artistic. And like, yeah, I was paranoid the whole time. Oh, like, what, me? Per- a video editor in Los Angeles? No, <laughs> I've never had that kind of anxiety that I could fail and be homeless. <laughs> I don't live with that constantly. But it's like the paranoid yeah. delusions that are the obsession of the artist where it's like, nobody can be better than me. I have yeah. to be the best at everything. And if anybody is, I have to take them out. Well, Maybe not that there's also that, that frustration that, like, that she's an artist who, like, can't be artful. Like, that's her flaw. Like, she can't express herself. She can't be vulnerable and be open to her craft. Even yeah. though she so deeply loves it and so is like so technically on top of it, she like can't. And I can imagine that being frustrating, where it's like that's what's preventing you is yourself, which it she, goes kind of goes back to the doppelganger thing. She's the person who's in her own way the whole time. Yeah, she has her emotions locked off, and like a key part to art, as stupid and like fruity as it's gonna sound, a key part to art is emotion and feeling. Uh, when I was training for piano like I could do all the technical stuff but there was a point where my piano teacher stopped me and was like I need you to feel what you're playing like not on your fingers I need you to feel the piece and like the emotions it brings out into you and like she worked with me being able to bring that emotion to playing a piano piece and it's just, it's especially prevalent with dance like you have to be emotion you have to have emotion when you're dancing because they can see it on your face yeah and um, your m- emotion when you're dancing is a big thing of like what they look for yeah and the audience connects with it. And if you feel it, your performance is much better. It doesn't matter how perfect you are. If And that's her problem. She almost has, like, an autistic block. Like, she can't emote. Yeah. And it's, well, she has, it's, like, imposter syndrome, too. Where it's, that, like, she yeah. doesn't think that she deserves this and that she doesn't think that she can crack it, even though it's what she wants. Yeah. And it's just constantly, like, a cycle that's just stopping her. Yeah. To the point um, where she then imagines... Or not imagines, but sees that in Mila Kunis. Yeah. And, like, and I think it's... It, oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I'm just rambling. I think that, like, also reinforces, um, like, why Natalie Portman specifically's performance is so good. Because you can see the definitive parts between Nina struggling as a dancer and, like, at the third act when she's, like, fully in it. Oh, fully having an orgasm behind stage over her yeah, own dance? Yeah, yeah. But I, I think that that's one thing that people do need to give credit for when you are an actor trying to do a performance and trying not to do it well. Yeah. Like, I can't, I, I imagine, like, especially when people are, like, when people, like, sing or, like, are, da- like, dancing or, like, playing an instrument or something, like, for a movie and they need to make it sound not great. Like, Whiplash. Yeah. 
another another parallel to something we've already talked about where it's like the difference between the good playing and the bad playing like you have to have somebody who can separate both of that so the audience even though i have no concept of dancing or ballet or playing the drums i can see when her dancing's not great yeah and like and when, when she, she needs to put more into it when she's restrained like the the whole the whole first half of this movie like her face is like contorted and concentrating so hard because she's not to quote vincent cassell letting go she's yeah. not effortless she's not feeling what she's doing and it, it, it is another again bonus point to natalie portman for understanding that difference and showing it she's she has the perfect level of expression though it can seem over the top in any other movie it perfectly works for this because it's so many close-ups on her face it's yeah. so great well, especially with the juxtaposition of all of the other characters. Because all of the other characters yeah. just have such pivotal points where it's like, Mila Kunis is who she wants to be. Like, mm -hmm. Winona Ryder is who she's going to be. Mm -hmm. And, like, her mom is, like, who she doesn't want to be. <laughs> and Vincent Gazelle is, like, who she wants to please. And they're all different. And throughout the movie, too, I like that, like, each avenue kind of progresses in its own side story. Like, the relationship between Lily and Nina has its own story arc throughout the yeah. movie. Like the relationship between Nina and her mom has its own arc throughout the movie and her and Vincent Cassell have their own arc. And she kind of has one with Winona Ryder who's mostly just there to say crazy stuff and stab <laughs> herself. Um, I, I, I view her relationship with her mother like that arc or that portrayal is Nina if she quits ballet. Cause that's the whole yeah. thing is she gave up her career to have Nina and Nina's like, I don't want to end up as this. Um, and there's like a moment where they're like they're doing the work on the ballet shoes, like breaking them in. And I've Love I always that seen by the way that shot, like yeah, just the with whole... the mirror, yeah, where the it's shot and it's like one of those three separated mirrors that tilt, and they have the mirrors on the end tilted to reflect the other person in line with the actor. So you, so it's like it's very obvious um, yeah. symbolism, but it, it yeah. works. It's beautiful. It's it, something heavy-handed can still be great. Well, I mean, to be fair, and he uses the mirrors a lot. And There's the, the whole, mirrors in every shot. And the whole thing that, like, the end of the movie is her throwing herself into a mirror and yeah. killing herself with it is also pretty symbolic. And I feel like it's one of those things where it's, like, it, it goes into the part where it's, like, I understand this motif, I'm comfortable with it, but why do I feel like something bad's gonna happen? Yeah. It's just that impending sense of doom. It's a it's a great level of foreshadowing that that happens. There's mirrors literally constantly. You constantly see Natalie Portman's reflection. I feel bad for the SFX people having to crop out the crew. The fuck yeah, well, everybody. Hopefully, hopefully Maddie boy. Hopefully Maddie boy checked his frame and was like, hey, people in the shot, get the fuck out. <laughs> the spinning camera scene when he spins and he's doing the attack it, attack it, attack it. Yeah. Like, it I feel so bad. That. For whoever had to track the camera spinning in the reflection. Because the mirror is there the whole time. You see it behind Vincent Cassell. Yeah. Whoever had to track the moving camera spinning at lightning speed. See, you know, you say that, but that actually is sometimes what makes it easier. Because then really? you don't have to, yeah, because then you don't have to be nearly as precise. Especially when it's in such a small part of the frame and there's so much else going on. You can kind of, like, be a little shortcutty with it when you, like, start to take nice. out. And I don't know how big it is. I imagine it's still a lot of fucking work, but when you, a lot of times when you have a camera moving off of something that you need to rotoscope out and then like it keeps moving, it does help you because you don't have to track it through that entire sequence. It's not like he's like following her behind the mirror. Yeah, it's so the like motion blur increments. like hides it? Yeah, yeah. Nice. You'll just throw like a mask on it, motion blur it, and like warp it back in with everything else. 
that shot when she's looking in the mirror when she's they're like doing the fitting and it's like the never-ending mirror illusion thing oh i love that one and then her like one head pokes yeah that i bet that effect was a bitch yeah unless it was just like because you had to go down the line of the illusion and get the well i mean unless unless that entire thing is fake and you just duplicate the layer Oh. And change the perspective. You could do it that way. I don't know. I can't tell you which one would be more work. They both sound like a lot of work. Yeah. But if you yeah. do do the duplication, so one of the things that you notice when mirrors do the never and is they get more green. They'd have to get that green exactly right. Like how? Yeah. To well, get I mean, it when, in. when you're when you're doing fucking VFX like that, compositing is like a whole nother step to make it Jeez. flush into the the scene and stuff. And I'm sure that's where sort of the grain helps out a little bit. <laughs> That's why he chose the gra the grain was on purpose. He's like, I'm gonna have a lot of crazy shit in this. I don't want people to know where it is. This is also 2010, so <laughs> it's a very rickety part of SFX life. It is. Let's sorry, let's VFX. take a, a quick moment to talk about some of the shocking horror things that happen. Yes, because uh, I feel like this is probably one of the few movies of his that you can definitively say is basically just a horror. Like it's a yeah. psychological thriller horror, but it's. It feels like it's more intended to be scary than the rest of his movies are. It's like, scary as shit. This is one of two movies that have made me scream out loud. Um, shit. Both of them in the theater. Both of them are Aronofsky films. <laughs> was the other one Mother? The other one was Mother when the baby's neck snaps. Because oh, okay. I wasn't expecting the neck snap and I screamed. <laughs> Understandable. Um, but this, this one made me scream when it, it has, it's a wide shot, which that's, when you do a wide shot on anything scary, it makes it immediately more impending. I don't know <laughs> why, but the wide shot of her legs snapping back into place. And the sound effects with this, that shot too. So good. Uh, that made me scream completely because I wasn't expecting her bones to break. I thought yeah. she was just going to pull out more feathers. Well, also the cuts and the shots leading up to that scene are so close and yeah. so fast and then it slows down and goes to this wide and like then you just start seeing her like deform and you're like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah, and she bounces. It's the yeah. bounce on the bat on the yeah. bat she, leg like, that like, falls and yeah, it was it's really it's a really well done shot. I it's would like to know how they did that one too. I would like to see Aronofsky do a full-blown body horror movie because uh, just seeing it in this, yeah, it, he's very good at it, and he 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 gets the key parts where it's like the two things that make it scary are either horror or acceptance. Yeah, and this is acceptance. Like she loves being the swan. <laughs> She's a furry at heart. We all know that. Yeah. She um. <laughs> she but he, her pulling out the things and like the little. T I love the little touch of the chicken skin, the yeah. plucked chicken skin that's all over her. Um, and how they don't draw attention to it. They really don't zoom in on it ever. You just see it while she's dancing. Yeah. Um, and, and they it light it very nicely so it looks like, when it looks noticeable and when it's like supposed to look a little bit more subtle. Yeah. I wonder I wonder if some of it was practical if they had like a little thing that they glued onto her. I feel like it had to be. Because yeah, you can't just put that on her. I know it I, grows. I yeah, I don't think I don't think he would have wanted it to be completely CGI. So I feel like some of that, I think I read something that some of that is makeup. So nice. I want to say the the bumps are, yeah, practical. the bumps are nice when she pulls out. I have no idea. Oh, I do know why her eyes are red. So there are black swans. Swans can be black, and black swans have black. Uh, I you a red eyes. of one, huh? I say you, I went to the zoo and there was a black swan. It was a wild. Oh, was like, yeah, that was like I saw that. black swan. <laughs> it literally just says black swan. It's just the sad bird flopping around in the cage. <laughs> 
<laughs> having delusions. Look <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'm perfect. <laughs> Um, I, I also want to talk about, uh, in, like, the big horror climax, uh, she hears, like, whispering sweet girls or whatever, and she's like, mommy? And she goes, oh, another creepy thing her mom does is paint portraits of her daughter. So strange. Constantly. And they're horribly done. They're, like, the worst <laughs> paintings you've ever seen in your life. But she only paints pictures of her daughter, which is extra icky. But there's a point in this room filled with only pictures of her ballerina daughter where Natalie Portman opens the door and the paintings are moving, but in the grossest way possible. They they almost have like frames of like a claymation film. Yeah, they're like melting. They're so gross. And like, <laughs> they're all talking and it's horrifying. It yeah. is it is absolutely disgusting. I love that shot because it's it's a it's a wide pan out of all of them. Yeah. talking and moving too and then you have a couple snap it's, zooms in it's a weird parallel but it kind of reminds me of the giant wall of paintings and the the prince of egypt which yes. like goes through and demonstrates how the pharaoh kills all the firstborn children Th that's yeah. exactly what it looks like yeah and, and that like, horrified yeah, an entire generation fuck yeah <laughs> That brought back some memories. I have some friends where I always listen to the Prince of Egypt soundtrack because it's a great soundtrack. And I was like, we should watch this movie. And they're like, no. And I'm no. like, why? And they're like, we watched it as kids and we will never watch it again. And I was like, oh, we watched it every year. Yeah. I went to a Christian school. I'm immune. Yeah. I had to, to rewatch it as a teenager to make sure I'm like, you have to stop being so terrified of this fucking movie. It is horrifying. Uh, but yeah. Anything yeah. else to say? No, I mean, I, I definitely enjoyed this movie, like, more than I th I thought I did, like, This overall. is your first time rewatching it in a very long time, isn't it? No, I rewatched it, like, a couple months ago or, like, a year ago, I think. Really? Hmm. Actually, no, I think I watched it, rewatched it sometime this year, and I was like, oh, I liked it more, because it was on IMDb TV or something. Oh. But, I mean, yeah, it's it's like you said, it's, it's like, a very, very easy to watch I guess for a, a Darren Aronofsky movie. Yeah. Um, it feels it feels more of like a family movie than <laughs> this other movies do. I showed my whole family this movie. I showed I my watch... AP psych teacher this movie at a Christian school. Why? Because <laughs> I wanted us to do a class on it. <laughs> well, I guess I, in psych that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, Mrs. Aarons, shout out to you, Mrs. Aarons, who is probably dead by now. You were like 84 when you were <laughs> teaching us. Um, if you're not... You'll never find this. And watch Black Swan again. She told me no. She was like, I can't show this. This looks And I was awful. like, can we skip? Can we just skip the sex scenes? She's like, no. But yeah, that's Black Swan. Probably the last good Aronofsky movie. We still have the whale. He can, He has... He, I feel like he needs to do a shit one to refresh himself. We had Noah. And then we got Mother, which everybody hates Mother and they're all wrong. Mother's great. <laughs> I have to rewatch it. Um, Before I get my consensus, but and then uh, we'll get the whale because he's back on his streak. I'm, I, there's no way he can fuck up the whale. Watch me be wrong. Don't Watch say that. Stop it. Stop. Stop putting all these definitive statements. You know the universe. I'm sorry. Okay. We'll just. Well, it'll be great, and then we'll just never get it. <laughs> <laughs> Release the Aronofsky cut of the whole Release movie. Release the Aronofsky <laughs> cut of everything. <laughs> What would you? What's your rating on this movie? My rating for Black Swan is a solid seventy out of a hundred swans. Well, seventy-five out of a hundred swans. Nice. 
It's pretty Seven. good. I like it. It's yeah, it's that's all yeah, it's pretty good. If you like artsy weird shit. I also like that they do use a form of lemon milk on their poster for the font. Oh, you know? your favorite font. Yes. So mm. in page what, what would you write this movie? Well, hold on. I want to talk about the poster because I forgot about the poster. Oh, they okay, had to do, okay. Sorry. They Tune had back to do in, a, everybody. I, I, they had to do a re-release of the poster. So the original poster of this was like a really fucked up Photoshop version of Natalie Portman. And like people complained about it and said it was terrible and disgusting. And like someone did a really bad job Photoshopping this. I think it's on purpose because it's like oh. fucked. Like it's gross. <laughs> I need to look it up. And uh, then they, I'll send it to you. And then they did just, you know, the classic, like, just the actor's face, all in white. Uh, which it has also, a little tear in it, doesn't it? There's no, uh, in uh, one of the posters, that's of her dancing or whatever. Oh, okay. But just the front on of her is just Natalie gotcha. Portman. Um, also, shout out to cutting to white instead of cutting to black for this film. Love that. Uh, Gaspar does that shit. Yep. It's very nice. It's very jarring. Uh, I give this movie, uh... A hundred lesbian cunnilinguses out of a hundred lesbian cunnilinguses. It's That's perfect. A low number of cunnilingus. <laughs> a low <laughs> more. I feel like you could have done more. Yeah, yeah. Look Fine, a million. A, a million. a million. Lesbian cunnilinguses out of a million lesbian cunnilinguses. Those are the numbers we're talking about. This this movie is perfect to me. I will never get tired of watching this movie. This is one of my comfort films. I've watched it so many goddamn times. And I will show this movie to my kids when I... I'll never have kids, but if I do, they're watching this movie. And then they'll have fuck, fucked up dreams and I'll pay for their therapy. Well, thanks everybody for watching. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, we'll try to get back on schedule. New episodes coming eventually. Bye! Probably.